Hello, Castec community. My name is Chrissy. I'm the founding director of the Castec project, coming to you from the land of the Web3. Today, we are talking to about uh, messaging. This is one of the most interesting aspects of it, and we are delighted to be joined by the founder of Satellite IM, Matthew Wisniewski, to talk to about their approach of doing encrypted peer-to-peer uh, -peer chat to bring this conversation even closer beyond the uh, the transaction about money, but about connecting people in a decentralized and Web3 way. Uh, welcome, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here, and uh, glad to get the chance to chat with your community. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm super excited about uh, messaging. And in, in previous episodes, we've talked about how important it is uh, to make it more human. So we're not just people behind numbers, but actually names and, and conventions and norms and all the nice human natures in our language becomes part of the glue that binds us together to develop the Web3 vision. And hopefully without relying on centralized parties like Discord or Telegram as the only method of communication beyond the numbers. Uh, can you tell, tell us a little bit about like, you know, what satellite I am is doing, and how, what brought you to this particular problem space within this infinite landscape of decentralization? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, um, Satellite at a high level is a decentralized messaging stack that we offer a bunch of UIs built on top of. So um, mm -hmm. really at our core, we are a serverless um, protocol uh, that kind of allows you to build on top of messaging on crypto, on the blockchain, on whatever. We don't truthfully focus on blockchain and i think that's important you know blockchain is a wonderful tool and we found that a lot of people kind of get mixed up between the fintech side of things and the, the really mm -hmm. powerful side of things that exist in crypto um and in the blockchain world and we've tried to focus more on the blockchain side of things um but mm -hmm. in doing so in a way that you don't have to understand anything about blockchain to use it you know you don't go on twitter and have to understand how to use php or aws to make a tweet um, you mm -hmm. shouldn't have to understand how to use blockchain to, to use our application. So at a high level, um, we're totally encrypted. Um, we focus on leveraging peer-to-peer -peer technologies first. So we have no limit on um, video quality, call quality, stream quality. Um, you could stream at 8K, 120 FPS if you wanted to. Um, we, mm -hmm. we just, whatever the highest level tech protocol allows us to do, that's what we give you. Um, right. And it really was sprung, interestingly enough, a, a, kind of like a similar thing that we chatted about um, before we started here. Um, I come from the creator space. Um, I've done a lot of um, content creation in the gamer space and, and dealing with making recordings and things like that. So originally, um, we were using Discord to make uh, audio recordings for gameplay. And we had right. an issue where when you have 10 different people shouting about something crazy that happened in a video game, that audio track becomes, you know, basically unusable. So Right. Um, we started out making a peer-to-peer -peer voice chat that would record separate audio uh, tracks to nice. MP4s. Um, so you could just pull them into Premiere and kind of change the levels as you wanted. And really, I, right. I opened it up to the open source community and a ton of passionate people started getting in. And, you know, when uh, when you've got a lot of people that are excited about the same thing, like things just kind of grow from it. And so we've grown into Absolutely. a beautiful company with 30 people all over the world. And, you know, we have a really strong core uh, ethos here of providing, you know, freedom of speech and, and privacy to everyone in the world. You know, we're pretty lucky um, where I live in the U.S. to not be as hindered. You know, we'll make a talk about something and then we'll say, hey, I got a cat. And then the next day we'll get 20 different ads for cat food on, on you know, Amazon <laughs> or something like that. But we're not going to be persecuted for talking to our family members about some new political thing. But in other places, people are being persecuted for things that I think a lot of us would say that's insane. 
Um, so above mm. just, you know, freeing people from trackers and advertisements, we really want to provide a platform that leverages the blockchain to allow people in games, in uh, chat apps and everything to chat securely and not have to worry um, about, you know, facing prosecution and, you know, just live your, your live your daily life and, and, and not have to worry about all these people spying on you. Like it's, it seems obvious, but it's something that's very rare today. Yeah, and sometimes decentralization, we think about it only in the terms of like decentralized money and the implication. But the truth is, like, not going through a central party and be able to talk directly is like the original peer-to-peer that predated Facebook, that predated Absolutely. Google. There was, there was a lot of peer-to-peer application. I would say that most of the internet protocol, other than HTTP, which is the web protocol, are more decentralized than, than the web, right? The web is going to someone else's servers, and that creates an opportunity for that server to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Like, you know, protocol like IRC is about relay, right? It's like about the cascading of messages. And that became kind of Slack, which is a private company. But, you know, the hash sign is the symbol for channels in this internet relay chat protocol that predate, I think, the web. Absolutely. And we, uh, we're kind of diehard fans of IRC and we're working on behind <laughs> the scenes, I shouldn't say it, but uh, uh, an IRC-esque uh, messaging platform on top of our tech stack. Nice. So uh, all the, the super nerds among us can hop in their terminal and start chatting with everybody and you know integrate. It, it's pretty fun. It's interesting that you guys began with like almost like live video as the messaging substrate, not, you know, when people think messaging, they think global speech bubbles and text bubble. Uh, is it easier to go the other way that we start with that high bandwidth communication or is it a challenge to getting either uh, the technology stack working or what, what's your sense in, in you the know, journey? Uh, it's always difficult. Like we're, we're pioneers in this space and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, uh, this podcast understand the, the struggle, you know, we're kind of inventing our own roads here. Um, so there's no easy way to do it, right? Like we're, we're kind of saying like, let's throw out everything we know. Let's take the core concepts. We'll keep them, but we're going to rewrite everything else. So um, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say one approach is easier than the other. I think the most difficult thing for us has been dealing with third party services um, and this is something I'm sure a ton of people have run into when you're building on web three, you know, you kind of, if you want to have no, um, like KYC, you don't, you don't care to like intercept your user's data. You want them to have their data mm-hmm. and own it and send it to another person. Um, the problem you run into is with API keys, right? So things like yes. sending GIFs, if you want to use Giphy, you have to have an API key. Usually that's managing right. a server. We don't have a server. So it's things like that, that we keep butting up against mm-hmm. that really, you know, yeah. cause these roadblocks. But I think like the core protocol here for sending a text chat or doing video, like really behind the scenes, it's a bunch of, you know, identities, um, key management, uh, things like that. And really no one solution is easier than the other, unfortunately. But it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge, you know? Yeah, and then there, there are different approaches even in the open source or open messaging uh, stack, right? You have, you have some of the earlier play like Matrix, uh, who, which is, you know, kind of a server, uh, but an open source server that has some federation. And you see in the Ethereum space, you know, uh, the work that uh, was begun with status, uh, they had that protocol with... Uh, kind of a whisper uh, protocol, which is what Vitalik came up with. Uh, and then Waku and Waku V2, that going on. Then they have some adoption here downstream with XMTP and Wallet Connect and stuff like that. What's your sense of those kind of like pre-existing projects that people who have maybe researching the messaging space may have encountered uh, and how did that relate to it? And I think there's a newcomer uh, from the folks from Hypercore with Keet, K-E-E-T, that's also focused on this peer-to-peer connectivity with message and video being that kind of 
of like uh, introductory use case. Can you maybe cast some light on are they competitors, are they friends, are they foes, or are we just all working together towards the same goal? I think at the end of the day, we're all working together, right? Like, of course, there's going to be competitors, and, and we want to be the best as a business. Um, but at the end of the day, like, we as builders in the crypto space kind of owe it to the crypto space to fix the image that we have in the public right now mm. um i mm -hmm. think this is a very negative image on crypto because too many people got in it for money and i don't think that's what it's about yeah. um so you know truth be told like no one's a competitor like uh, no one's a competitor in the sense of like oh like i hope we crush them and they go out of business no i don't think that's like the goal at all i think the goal is to build something awesome and hopefully we can all coexist in this space and, and bring some awesome tools to the community and, you know, uh, we've kind of embraced that philosophy from the start. All of our tech stack is built to be platform agnostic, you know, so none of our investors, none of our partners are like, you know, we need to run on this, you know, blockchain. We need to run on this protocol. Like mm -hmm. we could run on Whisper. We could run on whatever. Um, it's just a matter mm -hmm. of fulfilling the interfaces we have on our protocol. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're all friends. We're going towards the same goal here. You know, obviously we all want to pay our employees. We all want to be successful. But we can't fight right. each other. We're not. We're not Web two. We're not like you know dot com. We're we're still like a bunch of people in a garage essentially, like trying to make this thing happen. And I think we will. Um, and I think it's important yeah. to remain friends with everybody. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, you know, obviously, one of the most difficult thing about uh, you know using decentralized te te technology is that you still need a UI to do it. You still need a place. Uh, you still need a product team that is empathizing with the user, understanding what their true needs are, and providing tools not just to make something possible. Right? I think a lot of the tools and DApps and wallets are really just making things possible. EtherScan made certain things possible. MetaMask makes certain other things possible, and certain types of DApp make certain other things possible. But if you were to introduce those three cons to a person who has never used any Web3, they have no idea where to start, Absolutely. right? So you, know, you guys have a very consumer kind of friendly uh, orientation towards the onboarding process. Do you think that the, a product is the prerequisite to a successful protocol adoption, uh, making something user-friendly? I do. I think we've got a ton of great protocols out there, and, and we didn't actually start with the intention of building a protocol um, internally, mm -hmm. we just wanted to build an awesome chat app. We wanted to make it extensible, open mm -hmm. source. Like if someone wants to make a plugin for their, their, you know, tech stack, they can do it. Like, let's get away from bots. Like they're, they're terrible. Uh, we don't need to do yeah. like slash commands. We can make new UIs and stuff. So it didn't start as like wanting to do this protocol. It kind of just spawned as like a necessity because like you're saying, there's so many different things solving solutions that like you kind of need something to pull it all together. And that's really what we do is we take all these things that these great minds have made in the community and we kind of try to pull them together into like an SDK that exists to build on top of uh, Web3 mm -hmm. and build these messaging solutions and file sharing solutions and just kind of provide the toolkit. But in addition to that, we want to also obviously build on top of our protocol and build a UI. Like, don't just say you can do this. Show the community, here it is. Like, let's do it. So, yeah. Yeah, so what's really interesting about it is that, you know, the first party UI usually is just, you know, a lot of dApps are like, hey, here's a possible UI for you to build on top of the protocol. Some of them get some adoption in like, you know, Uniswap is a great example of they have a great UI, but there are many, many, possibly more volume not going through the UI, but the protocol on chain than what's going through Uniswap.org app. But there are some, you know, protocol which UI is like the only way to do it. Uh, what is your sense of kind of encouraging 
uh, adoption of the protocol or, or at least the plugin framework within the product so that it is not just one app coming in. And there are some apps, for example, like chat app that existed before, like the Kick uh, app that has the right, Kin right. ecosystem. Um, but they, I don't think they really expanded beyond that first party thing and became like a useful thing onto its own, almost like, you know, buying line uh, cartoons or stickers and stuff like that. What's your sense of what does it take and where is that kind of third party expansion loop uh, for an ecosystem or is that something that you're aiming for so are you saying that um like how how do we plan to get others to build on top of our platform and yes how are we, okay yeah so uh, either in the front end or the back end or the the the, the protocol aspects. yeah like both sides the front end um i'm a gamer uh I, i've been a gamer for uh as long as i can remember um you know and uh, admittedly early days like you know really into like pirate bay and stuff like that like it was just cool like mm. it's like all oh, these like the wild west of the internet but um so sure. a thing that like kind of struck me is that a lot of the successful products games everything in the space are games that have modifications that can be done by the user mm. so if we look at things yes. like Skyrim, right? Skyrim is wildly successful. And I think something that lends it to a success is the fact that anyone can build extensions on it. Anyone can build mods for it. Right. If you want to have, like, you know, your sword be, like, the size of a building, you can do it. Like, it's, like, go ahead. Right. Um, same with Minecraft. Minecraft is wildly successful. You can do quantum, you know, com uh, quantum mechanics in Minecraft. Like, that's absurd. But, yeah. like, that's what keeps it alive. Yeah, it's crazy. So for our yeah. UI and, and for our backend, we've kind of taken that same approach and saying we're going to build everything everything we're going to document it like almost like as much as we could possibly document it without being overly verbose we're going to make this thing easy to build on and we're going to kind of host these extensions for people to add and transform the messenger so you know if you log into mm -hmm. something like visual studio code you can totally transform your editor to be what you want it to be we want to bring that into the yeah, chat space. And plugins, yeah. yeah exactly so that's mm -hmm. kind of what we're starting with is saying like hey we're going to build this like base you know base station this is like what we offer um this is you know voice chat video chat file sharing text chat group chat community servers mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. this is what most people want is to start but if you want to add like, you know, integrations into it, you want to add a plug in to, you know, put your podcasting software in, you want to add, you know, stuff to record your your calls automatically, like you can right. make plugins for that. And that's really the goal is just say like, hey, we're providing like what we think is a really good start and we're excited to see where you take it. Um, this is really a product we're yeah. building for the community and we want to see what the community can do on top of our platform. Yeah, it's fantastic to think about mods as something that uh, maybe the first game that have mod made for it wasn't sanctioned, it wasn't planned, but it was certainly embraced. Uh, uh, some games are easier to mod than other ones, and some are more explicitly in support of mods than some other development teams. Uh, you know, may maybe maybe uh, uh, from software is one perspective, and then another. Yeah, and you have stuff like <laughs> Skinny Silence is a different, a different, a different, different perspective, right? Uh, but what was what was interesting about your analogy is that mod can kind of make something that is like cannot take the game and modify it but you see platforms like roblox which explicitly about this creation and minecraft is related but not maybe not the same way uh do you see yourself as more of a mod thing where you can make your the software satellite do something more or is it a platform for experimentation the way roblox would be for that type of genre yeah i think to start it's going to be more of like the minecraft approach we're going to try to you know mm. build out a good start for everybody we're going to try to do all the legwork to get it working um get people using it and falling in love with it and then i think that's like the key right once you fall in love with something then you start to make it yours mm -hmm. you know you get a, a new car and yes. you're like oh i want to add this because this is like something i want 
it's sort of the same thing. We're not going to ask you to build the whole car. We're going to build the car for you, but we're going to tell you you own it. You can do whatever you want with it. Like we're not going to tell people what they can and can't do. So I think ultimately to answer your question, um, I don't really know where it will end up in, you know, two years down the road. I'm excited to see where the community takes it. And I think a big part of it is just handing over that like unknown to the community and, and being able to relinquish that control. Like there's a lot of places, um, I won't name any names, but there was a, a tool that allowed you to customize a popular chat app and it was DMCA stricken and all it did was allow you to have themes. I'm mm. like, that's ridiculous. Like let people theme their, their, their yeah. stuff. Like they downloaded it. They essentially should own it at that point. Yeah, yeah. We need to bring back Winamp. Like everybody <laughs> has a completely different. That, that that's a that's an era that I think it's gone. The MySpace and Winamp era, but uh, there's certainly a, a history in 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 that customization that's much richer than the uh, design system stricken uh, boringness that we are in. Right Absolutely, now. somewhere in between, um, like loading up a satellite profile and hearing My Chemical Romance play automatically, like and like right, not right, being able uh, to do yeah. anything. Like that middle spot is where we want to yeah. live. Yeah, we we definitely don't want to uh, fully embrace the Tom <laughs> <laughs> mindset. Um, so, what are the you know what are the challenges that you've kind of run into as you kind of have to basically build many layers and anticipate certain things, but still stay focused or making sure it's fun? I mean, I love the fact that you came from this very concrete need of multi-channel recording. Uh, you know, the tools we are using to record this, you know, record in you know separate tracks and they get mixed together versus having to do auto mix, which is not an easy thing to do once you, the number of speakers exceed four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Zoom basically. If you have too many people on the call and someone's speaking, nobody's hearing. Yeah, you, right. Like yeah. that, the auto mix just basically focus on one person. Otherwise, you get this kind of noise uh, accumulation. I'm an auto engineer by uh, by 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 uh, by a uh, hobby, I would say. Uh, so so I, I certainly am aware that was a problem. So like, what is the most challenging part of the stack, and how did you overcome, or at least what how, how do you plan to overcome? Yeah, it? I think the most challenging part is verifying identities and kind of making sure mm. you know who you're talking to making sure that um, you you're not sending messages to someone that isn't who you think it is um, and a lot of those um, solutions come through key management you know we've recently adopted the use of DID keys um, to kind mm -hmm. of be the overarching like identity in the platform um, and you know it, it's kind of solved in a multitude of ways like we've tried a, a lot of different protocols that exist right now and um, you know they're, they're good they're they're they're, they're very good for what it is, but it's not enough to go to mainstream adoption. You know, our goal has kind of been mm -hmm. like, we want to be able to make this thing operate if we don't even exist. Like if, you know, satellite as a company disappears, satellite as a product should still operate. So mm -hmm. I think like there's a multitude of challenges and they're all solved by kind of just taking a step back, meeting with a bunch of people who are like-minded and interested in the space and kind of saying like, what do you think we should do? Okay, let's R&D this for a little bit. Let's try it out. If it works, great then awesome, like we'll run with it. If it doesn't, then we'll try something else. And, you know, unfortunately that means that things take a little bit longer to get done and things take a little bit longer to move forward. But at the end of the day, like that's what makes it exciting, right? Like if we were just going on and making another yeah. Web2 chat app, like that, who needs it? Like with the world doesn't need that right now. They need more tools in the decentralized space that aren't focused around, you know, oh, you can 10X your money. Like who cares? Like let's, let's you know, let's, right. let's take that part of crypto and separate it um, and, and focus on the tech. So...
Yeah. You know, I sense that the DID, which is a decentralized identifier that came from the, the work that was done in the identity, decentralized identity foundation, DIF, uh, now is becoming adopted in different places, uh, a little bit outside the Ethereum ecosystem, which has been kind of like circling around ENS, the ability to do on-chain records, whereas DID has a little bit of a uh, kind of like, you know, we're not going to tell you what protocol to use it, but we're going to have a central, uh, agreed upon way of finding it, mm -hmm. a, a, a resolve, a way of having a address book to say, oh, country code goes here, and then, a re, you know, you can do whatever you want once you have that country code. Uh, whereas Ethereum is the one true world computer where every single piece of uh, contact information is written on chain permanently for all eternity. Uh, so do you think there is a conflict between, you know, Web3 from the Ethereum lens, thinking about like Ethereum name service or ENS? Dot ETH on the Twitter name as the identity versus the DID approach, which is embraced by, I think, a slightly different group of people, but now championed by the Jack Dorsey team at Block, or used to be squared with the Web5 things, which is very much built on top of the work of the IF. What's your kind of like um, analysis of that particular, uh, not quite struggle, but certainly two different possibilities of what identity means? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's really about adoption. Um, and I think right now like the ans is great but it's hard for the average user to adopt that right like uh, in, hmm. at least how so I, I think that like you know if i uh, kind of what i what i do and 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 what we do when we're building satellite is we go to like our family and we say like hey use this mm. and then when they're like i don't know what the heck this is i don't know what the heck that is we rip it out we, we put it behind the scenes and, and we make things like easy to understand you know signups is you type a username you copy down your seed phrase and you're done um, you don't need to worry about mm. funding the accounts or doing anything like that. So I think like a, a lot of the decentralized name server like and um, like TLD services are they're very interesting, but I don't think there's enough things adopting them yet for them to be valuable outside of the crypto e ecosystems. I think they will be. I, see. I just I don't think the crypto space is there yet. And I think, like we said earlier, it's largely in part to the fact that a lot of the people that are trying to build without the the financial side in mind is a newer concept, right? Like, you know, we kind of learned in 2017 mm -hmm. yeah. that like, hey, like there's more to it, like, and this is tarnishing our name. So uh, I digress. Long story short, I think that it will be very powerful. I think it's just right now, like that becomes a tool that's super useful when Web3 is the norm. And I don't think Web3 is the norm yet. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it is certainly, you know, there are some great UI being built on top of uh, ENS Absolutely. from the ENS team and also I think a, a early preview of, uh, you know, within the Rainbow Wallet editing your profile. But it didn't escape me when I was watching that uh, uh, that tweet that uh, it costs $5.78 to update your bio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's like, most people, <laughs> like, that's, that's been a struggle of us is everything has to be free. Um, and, you know, that's kind of right. why we had to have like a rewrite of a lot of things is that, using these different chains from a business perspective becomes expensive. Like we can't pay $5 for yes. someone to update their profile on satellite, like, and nor can the user, like no one's gonna wanna do that. So, you know, we, we kind of are in this place of saying like, okay, there's these great concepts on, on you know, different chains, like all across the, the ecosystem, there's a ton of great concepts, but executing them isn't very practical in the day-to-day -day life outside of a crypto enthusiast right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking forward, you know, let's say, you know, the, 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 the tech stack matures a little bit and 
uh, we work on providing very much concrete use cases beyond just the financial services. Uh, there are certainly value in the fact that you know money or maybe stable coins make certain transactions easier on the blockchain. Uh, do you have plans to like integrate the financial side uh, in, in, in a meaningful way, not as a primary way? I would say like financial is a secondary. Financial service should be a secondary effect of commercial transaction, it could be a second effect of connections, right? Uh, it's like, you know, like tertiary, secondary. Uh, but do you see that as in eventually important to figure out how all these financial innovation in Web3 can incorporate in that messaging experience? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're not really interested, like people can build a plugin if they want, like that's great, but we're not really interested in like um, exchanging tokens and trying to like hedge bets and make mm -hmm. money. But mm -hmm. of course it makes sense, you know, we're built on top of Web3, we will have some layer to send you know, if you're if you owe your friend money for pizza or something like that, take it back to our roots and mm -hmm. like be able to like send crypto to pay for pizza. And if you want to cash out to your local fiat, right. go ahead. But, you know, don't make it about like, you know, trying to bet on the next big thing and like become rich, like make it about practicality. Like what would you actually need in your day to day mm -hmm. life? Like what helps you solve problems that you have today? And I think you know, um, getting away from fees, from PayPal and things like that, and just being able to send money between friends is really our goal. Um, of course, when you come into the financial side of things, a whole host of, um, you know, security practices need to be done. Um, so we've been mm -hmm. operating very much on a testnet um, until we're ready. And, you know, we have like those 10 different teams of auditors come in and make sure everything's, you know, up to snuff. We, we wanna make sure we're protecting our users as much as possible. And I think that's a delicate place um to, to kind of mm -hmm. you know start being not custodial but writing the software that you know interfaces with sending even five dollars for pizza we don't want someone to lose that five dollars like you know it may seem yeah. insignificant but it's not it's valuable yeah, yeah. yeah. so it, it's mm -hmm. something that takes time yeah, I... yeah so you mentioned that you know the 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 financial aspect increases the risk and you know when the key is controlling a profile for a service that you connect into friend that's one type of risk but if the same key is also used to control money then suddenly the key management risk and, uh, goes up uh, what do you think is the kind of missing piece uh, in the consumer facing wallet or kind of like on-ramp space in terms of explaining and protecting user from themselves when it comes to key management of the private I key. think abstracting as much of that key as possible into a way that's understandable outside of enthusiasts and developers. Like if you talk to a normal person and you say like, hey, like you need to make sure you keep your key safe. They're gonna think of like, they're gonna pick up their house key and like, oh, like it's, it's right here, it's safe. Like it's fine, my key's safe. Like they don't, like, so you really right. need to like kind of take things and not dumb it down. Your users aren't stupid, but they're they're not as well versed in this space. They're not developers. They don't need to know what a private key is. They don't need to know what a public key is. So it's really about saying, hey, this thing, like we're gonna tell you what it is. It's super important. You don't want anyone but you to see it. We're gonna say, hey, screenshot this yeah. and then like put it in a safe, like print it out, put it in a safe, do whatever you wanna do with it. We'll tell them why it's important, but they don't need yeah. to understand the underlying tech of how it's used and everything. If they want to, like, you know, absolutely have documentation, have FAQs, explain it to them. But at a surface level, we need to make this as simple as possible for the non-crypto enthusiast users to get into the space and kind of join us on this journey. Yeah. You know, it's really tricky, right? Because, you know, when you show a key to the user, they, you know, how do you save it? You take screenshots, you print it up, or you copy it. But the crazy thing about it is if you copy something, it's in your clipboard. Right. You open up TikTok, it takes right. it, right? Like, <laughs> there are, I'm not saying TikTok does that. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just definitely. saying that TikTok no, can. Yeah, 
Definitely do not. Do not. They do not look at what's on your paste clipboard uh, and take it and send it into a log yeah. file, right? Um, so, and that's just what's resident in your iOS thing. Um, so, I, I think there is a, a lot of work to do to ensure that the key is mm -hmm. available, so that it is something that is not locked uh, by, you know, and not custodial. On the other hand, it is dangerous, right? Because the degree of uh, 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 leak is once you lose leak the key, there's no taking right. it back. Right. right? Uh, and, um, you know, there are some ways to get around that. So some of the work that we are doing is to make the key a little bit less important by having key control smart contract wallets. And then you can rotate the owners through some sort of additional plugin we made into uh, the smart contract wallet uh, from the Nosa Safe team. So they can kind of like, oh, I've changed my device and I have a new set of key, but controlling the same smart contract wallet. Uh, so, so it's like an indirection where that you don't own the thing directly and the key can be kind of destroyed and restarted. If you like add a name or add some NFT to your own key in MetaMask or something like that, that's, you know, that's no direction there. You lose that, you lose everything in it. Um, so um, so there, are, there, are, there are certainly a lot of approaches. And I think this is really a space that builders like yours, uh, you and I and other people in this space really need to figure out something that is understandable users, allow them to feel that they're in control without making them say, hey, hey, don't lose this slip yeah, of paper. Yeah. If you lose the slip of paper, you lose yeah. everything. Uh, God forbid you put your mortgage <laughs> on, the, on your, on your MetaMask. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, and that's what gives crypto uh, kind of a, a risky name is I think that we, um, we kind of, as a community, started asking people like, hey, like, like, you know, perhaps not you and I and perhaps not a lot of listeners, but, um, you know, between Reddit and the social media uh, early on in crypto, we were encouraging people like, hey, this is a way to make money. Like, you know, we were spreading all this mm -hmm. hype and bringing people in and people got burned. A lot of people got burned. So I think it's, you know, it's, yes. it's a way of like taking a step back and saying, like, let's only offer what we can responsibly offer to the user. Like, it's not mm -hmm. just the user's responsibility to keep their things safe. Um, it is a large part of the responsibility. Yeah. We do give them total ownership. But we as a company should express in a friendly and um, informative way, like why this is important and, and not get down the rabbit hole of specifications Absolutely. and, you know, standards and things like that. Like that's not what's important right now. Yeah, as people always say, let's let's build, build or whatever it might be. I, I think the new catchphrase should be build responsibly, Absolutely. right? Like, you know, the builder take the responsibility The what tools are you making? Is this responsible? Is it helping people? Uh, is it helping to not only evangelize, which we know how to do, but also uh, mm -hmm. repair yeah. uh, a, a real gap that I think uh, a real trust gap that's really happened. It's very sad, right? Because I think, you know, from a vision and from a motivation point of view, uh, Web3 and decentralization and crypto in, in, in the, by extension come from a really good place. But even as a person who is objectively and cautiously optimistic about this uh, thing, it is hard to deny that a lot of people has been yeah, hurt yeah, absolutely. in a meaningful way uh, through uh, uh, irresponsibility by all different players. Uh, and 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 this is a nascent field, but there there's lots to do to create value. But I think as as we build respons responsibly, uh, we are, we we will probably uh, get to a point where new practices will come that would actually uh, make the application just better uh, for you, not just 
uh, better for your Right, portfolio. absolutely. And I think the first step to that is um, taking away the need to throw blockchain on the, everything, on the end of everything as branding. Like, mm-hmm. make an awesome product. Make mm-hmm. something that people need and just so happens that it's built yes. on top of blockchain. Like, it's an awesome piece of it's an awesome piece of tech that we can develop on top of like use it but don't use it to sell your company don't write a white paper and say we're going to do this thing that hasn't been done before but we're going to do it in blockchain like you know why is blockchain important right. why is this important to your users like it shouldn't just be a buzzword it shouldn't be something that you're using to rope people into your platform yeah, usually it's just one part of it of which, uh, you know, a globalized state matters. And a lot of them, like the UI distribution, you know, we don't need to put apps on a blockchain. Uh, we don't even need to put the app store catalog on the blockchain, but there's a lot of things that, you know, maybe reputation that may make sense as a cumulative record of things that you've done and haven't done. That could be blockchain assisted with that availability and certainly any type of a uh, uh, money transfer between parties, maybe even paying out royalty for people make a plug-in because it adds to the ecosystem. That could certainly be settled in a blockchain. But you're talking about three or four things out of a hundred, maybe, maybe a thousand things that doesn't really require blockchain, but it does require us to think about how we can decentralize the web. Uh, and to me, the web in the web three is more interesting than the yep. three in yep. the web three. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, we've actually found, and, and this was like, admittedly like a pain point when we started we wanted to throw a lot of things on the blockchain we wanted to say like oh we're going to use like you know this that and the other thing and like we're going to slam it all on the blockchain and really it doesn't make sense for a lot of the things a lot of the things can be orchestrated just through peer-to-peer you don't need to use any storage mechanism Mm -hmm. you know you can build local caches that are encrypted to that user and like when they migrate to a new phone migrate that cache and they don't have to pay for reads and writes you know you can Take do long-term storage on the blockchain, do things that aren't instantaneous, but you don't need to do everything on chain. Um, it's a very powerful tool, but you don't want to overuse it. You don't need to overuse it because then it, it becomes costly. Um, we're, we're still in a space where it's costly yeah. to use the blockchain. Even if it's a fraction of a penny, that adds up when you've got a million messages, you know? So... Yeah, and then, you know, the blockchain in general, when you take Ethereum blockchain as an example, and I'm sure Solana is a little bit uh, different than that because the specs are a little bit higher on the boxes. You're talking about a computer, a computer, a reasonably powerful computer you can buy. That's about how much processing power that takes. And I think people forget that their browser running on their M1 notebook or even like a recent thing is ridiculously faster. So we leverage all the APIs that's provided by the web platform, and that's kind of my biases, Uh, not to say that native mobile app doesn't have a role in it, uh, but the web platform like, you know, service workers and and, uh, and web workers and WASM, these type of technology that allows you to run real software within the browser uh, as an operating system is really powerful. And I think that's underexplored by the people in crypto, but uh, hopefully we're seeing more intersection from people working on D-Web, decentralized web, when people working on a peer-to-peer in a use case like gaming, stuff like that, starting to converge and maybe, you know, that's why I, I start the, my, my podcast as the land of the Web3 is I'm trying to expand the definition of what this land it is. It is for all of us. It's as big as the Americas uh, uh, in, the, in the 1700s. It's just that we can have our own different way of doing things and it, there's place for crypto, for trading, for NFTs, for DAOs, but also for decentralized communication, file storage, collaboration. These are all just the next generation of the web and you know, I hope that that's uh, what we're building towards together on different slices of the technology necessary. Absolutely, to that I 100% agree with that. Um, you know, that, that's, that's the way we've got to go. That's the way we've got to get things moving and I think we will get there. I think 
Um, you know, a lot of people are freaking out. They're like, oh, is this the crypto winter or whatever? I think it's good. Like, let's make things cheap, make things cheap to build on again. Like, let's get back to building. Like, you mm -hmm. know, don't make things cost $5 to, to update a profile. Like, let's let's bring it back down to a usable level. And I, I think that's that's healthy for, for what we're trying to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the times that we have. And, you know, we, we, we talked briefly uh, or you spoke briefly about the idea of like, you know, WASM and these things being like interoperable. And that's something that we've really been chasing. We actually built like uh, kind of our protocol is is a is a Rust based binary. Um, so mm, we build this Rust based nice. binary. We allow it to pull in things like if you want to use, um, you know, Ethereum, you want to use Solana, you want to use whatever. Um, we have traits that need to be fulfilled in Rust. Once you fulfill those traits, like you can compile the binary. Um, right. You can run a local host only API. So if you want to build a bot in the Web two way, you can use Web three tech to do that. Um, if you want to build a mobile application yeah. with it, you can use FFI and you know slam it in a Flutter app and build out that way. It's really just about you know building the tools that are easy to work with and you know kind of take away a lot of the difficulties of dealing with Web three that we have right now. And it's not anything to be you know ashamed of, and it's not that we could have gotten here any faster. It's a huge approach that we're taking here. We're trying to change the web. Like really, we are. Like the web has been this space where data brokers buy data there's cookies everywhere we track yes. everything we make our money by selling people's you know life on the internet um not we but you know the the internet as it stands yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so yeah. Uh, I think like getting yeah. away from that is just it's super exciting. Like I'm excited to see not only where satellite goes, but, you know, Web3 as a whole, like when we start building things together, like it's going to be awesome. And I think it'll wake up a lot of people to say like, hey, like maybe I don't care about Dogecoin, but I definitely care about the fact that like all my data is being sold to all these people. And I can clearly see it because I talk about something and the next day I see an advertisement yeah. about what I was talking to my mom about in confidence. Like, oh, I got a kitten. That doesn't mean I want right. Amazon to sell. Oh, Matt's a kitten person now like go ahead like send them all these ads for pretty litter and everything like i don't need that that's intrusive yeah. and you know if someone came into my house and a lot of people say like oh well, i don't know i don't i don't know that they're there so it doesn't really matter but if i knew that like someone was coming into my house and looking at what i've got laying around my house and saying like oh like his trash is full quite a lot let's start advertising him a bigger trash can like that would be so intrusive that would be incredibly mm -hmm. like i would be so upset and you know, I think bringing people to start caring about that in their digital lives, where really a lot more about you as a person is shared digitally than it is, you know, in person these days, I think it's important. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, and I think the web uh, is, you know, went this way because it lacks in this protocol a model about the relationship of people beyond just making information free and, 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 and public, for lack of a better word. Uh, and, and I think uh, adding new dimensions of controlling that privacy, adding dimension of explicit commercial relationship between people, if you're actually buying, so selling service or participating in a, a plug-in ecosystem for a share royalty, these are all slightly healthier and more explicit way of participating than to say, oh, download my launcher, and then it becomes spyware in two years after it gets bought by, <laughs> by, by, by a spyware company. Uh, they're not a spyware yeah, company, yeah, but yeah. you know, you know, with the, when when Unity get purchased by a certain company, Iron Source, uh, uh, you got to question like what what that's going to happen to all the indie Absolutely. games that go out there. So uh, it definitely deeply permeates uh, the, the the business model and it and it affects the behavior. And we ought to uh, take the 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 
the concepts as well as the ideals on Web3 and, and take it back uh, in the narrative beyond the crypto trader and the, uh, and the bros uh, and, and try to really make something meaningful. Absolutely. For and that's users. what's exciting. That's what excites me as a developer, right? Like, you know, I, I rode the wave in 2017. I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't go through the phase of trying to invest and like doing all these things. And yeah, it was fun. But like at the mm -hmm. end of the day, it's not helping anyone. It's helping me. Like if I get more money, it's helping me. That That's cool. That's exciting. But like at the end of the day, like, does that really matter? Like, does, does it does it matter that I'm a little bit more wealthy? No, like I'd much rather be known for like, oh, like I built this awesome tool. And like even a thousand people use it, that's much more exciting to me. And that warms my heart more than hearing like, oh, I made like 10x profits or whatever. Like who cares at the end of the day? Like <laughs> it's about like people. Yeah, if... Yeah, if crypto so far, thus far, has been a player versus player game, someone wins, someone loses. But I do believe this is really about building communal spaces uh, uh, and the tools for it. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. And I love your enthusiasm and I love the fact that, you know, uh, having been in this space, you are still... Uh, optimistic oh, and building uh, uh, the, the words <laughs> and the actions, uh, and, and 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 likewise, I've been on this in this space uh, uh, since 2014 in the Bitcoin space and 2017 in the Ethereum space. So uh, uh, there's lots to do. Uh, every aspects of it. Uh, it's so amazing to hear your thoughts about you know not only the glossy side of it, but also what we ought to do to actually put some real meat in the substance of the Web3 argument. I think it I think we'll win. Uh, not as in we will win and Web2 will lose. Is that we'll win. And upgrading the Web3 and taking all the great things about Web2 and then putting in a new, uh, uh, even more open structure that would be okay, that, that people can still uh, build the things and pay the rents and build better tools and, and participate. So uh, I'm certainly, uh, you and I are pretty much aligned on this. Uh, is there anything else you want to share uh, with um, the community? Yeah, nothing major. I mean, uh, obviously, if you want to check out what we're building, we'd love to have you swing by. Um, we're very passionate about it, obviously. Uh, I can say that my entire team is is um equally is uh they'll ramble to you for hours about what we believe in so if you want to check out satellite i'd highly appreciate it but um other than that no i think just you know go out there and build um find some tools to build with if you're a new developer or you know maybe someone that aren't comfortable with the, the code space and stuff like that there's a lot of resources i will say the one thing that the web3 space has been very mm -hmm. good at is providing education resources so go out there it's intimidating but right. you know you could stop by and you can you know if you have a tech question dm me i don't there's there's so many people in this space that are going to welcome you so if you're on the fence and you want to get building i would say just go build things it's it's fun and uh, it's very rewarding and there's lots of resources to learn yeah, and the best time is yeah, almost always absolutely. now. <laughs> this moment. Uh, go Google and YouTube and be on that channel for some Web3 tutorial and start it there. Uh, well, Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, you know, we love to talk to builders and really understand not only the motivation, but from the motivation and the, the, the momentum that we see, hopefully see a better, clearer vision of what Web3 and this what land of this Web3 is going to be. And uh, as far as our community, we thank you for your time, your attention. And until next time, take care.